Hello, and welcome to another episode of Who Knew in the Moment, the podcast. I'm your host, Phil Friedrich, and today I'm honored to have Gabby Nieves with me. Gabby is a social media personality and a corporate leader, and I think one of the things you're going to hear in her story today is if you have leadership qualities and characteristics, that can transcend across a lot of different areas in your life. So Gabby, thanks so much for being on today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited, and happy Friday. Yes, you betcha. So to start with your story, uh, you're the oldest sibling, and I think there are just certain attributes of an oldest sibling, uh, whether it's from the parenting style or it's from pressures that you feel. Uh, there's just something about being an oldest sibling. So talk a little bit about growing up and being an older sibling inside the family dynamic. Absolutely. So I'm the oldest of four. Uh, my parents did it right. We were all exactly two years apart, which is sometimes <laughs> good and bad. I swear they did it on purpose because when I was in college, another one was in college. So all of our graduations were able to stay consistent. So they pre-planned that one a little bit. But growing up, being the oldest, I think I also had a unique experience. I was never a kid who partied and did all that stuff in high school that kind of just came with growing up. Um, I worked full-time at a pizza shop. Um, I played volleyball where I grew up playing volleyball. We were a dynasty to stay the least. Um, when I was on the team, we were 120 and zero, which is wild to even think about. So that was all I did. Um, and growing up, my brothers though, who, like I said, are, are all two years apart. One is now a pro tennis, um, basically like trainer. They call them tennis pros, but yeah. you know, the lingo is a little bit different. And then my other brother went on to play in the NHL. So with my brother's hockey career, basically my parents had to sit us down and say, we're putting all of your lives on hold because we have to focus on your brother, which was fine. Uh, so we traveled a lot. I spent my weekends in hockey rinks and going to different hotels to take care of my siblings. And I would have to make sure my siblings were ready to go. So my brother could co-play in his games and all day for tournaments. And I did all like the bottle feeding and I raised them a little bit, obviously in partnership with my parents, but it just kind of comes naturally to take care of your siblings and you want to help people and you want to nurture and you want to grow. Um, and my parents always looked up to me because I did what my parents wanted me to do. Mm. So you go to college, you get your degree. I always wanted to move to Florida. My parents were like, well, you need to get your master's first. You always said you wanted to get your master's. So follow through on that. So my parents always just kind of like let me lead. They didn't really have to worry about me from that on, which was nice. So you know how usually they say like the older sibling gets in trouble, but then the yeah. younger ones get it easier. I kind of feel like it was the opposite because my parents didn't have to worry about me. So then for my yeah. siblings, it's kind of like best of luck to do what you do. But we all kind of went along the same path, thankfully. <laughs> yeah. So to talk a little bit about a couple of things you mentioned there, you know, one is the world of siblings, but also athletics and competitive nature. So being the oldest, but then having brothers that are very competitive, I would imagine, you know, being a uh, high performing sports athletes, I would imagine there's some competitive juices there. Uh, what did you learn about competition growing up? And, uh, you know, just as you started to enter into the sports world? Yeah, that's a great question. Because I talked to my friends about this recently, I'm now 33. And I've, I would say when I turned like my late 20s, early 30s, I really became more passionate about the actual skill that I have from an athletic standpoint. Mm. Growing up, I'm 5'11 and a half. I should mention that. So obviously growing up, every coach who saw me, like you have to play the sport, you have to play the sport. So it was kind of like you are like being poached so young and I just didn't get it. Mm. I do believe to your point, when you're a high performing athlete, there's just a level of your brain. It's just like up here. And that's why 
so few people are able to make it successfully into the leagues and continue to grow further. For me, I know I'm good at sports. It just never triggered me enough to be like, yes, this is going to be my everything. Mm -hmm. And that's what frustrated a lot of people. It frustrated my coaches because I would just go out and I'd play and they'd be like, what's next? And I'd be like, food. I hope. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I just, that's just me. And, but when it came to school and education and things like that, that's where my drive was. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to be the best. I wanted to make sure that I could learn as much as I could. And that excited me. So I would personally was able to get a good balance, but playing sports, obviously my parents, they made sure since we were so close in age, like if everyone could do swimming lessons together, they'd put us in the same level. Yeah. If we all could play flag football together, they would put us together. They didn't want to drive around, but I um, actually quit my senior year of high school for volleyball. My coach ruined it for me on every single level. And I said, you know, this isn't worth my time. Went on, went to college, played club, and then went to a tournament, got pulled aside at a tournament. And someone was like, you should be playing D1. And I was like, probably, but I don't really want to. Mm. And my parents sat me down and they're like, hey, you should just give it a shot to your point. Like you don't want to regret something you didn't try. My school was an actual D1. We are the MAAC. Uh-huh. I was like, okay, I'm going to walk on. I walked on and I made it. My brothers were like, yes. I had a boyfriend then. He's a successful soccer player now. Um, so, you know, being surrounded by the three of them for so long, that's all they want. They wanted to see me do this. And then I ended up like walking off the court in the middle of a practice, like two months in. I was like, I'm done. This mm. isn't for me. Like, I just didn't want to be there. Yeah. And my brother's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Like they weren't embarrassed, but there was a concern. Yeah. <laughs> so in the end, like now I love fitness. I've developed a passion for it. Unfortunately, doing an injury injury, excuse me, um, that prompted me to start lifting heavy. So I've actually been lifting heavy for two years. I never took working out seriously until two years ago. So I love what I have now, but before you asked me, I'd be like, go volleyball <laughs> and I'll show up when you need me. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I, I think what you said is going to resonate with someone that is oftentimes people in our life want something for us that maybe we don't even want for ourselves as much as they want it. And we feel like, gosh, if I follow what I really want, I'm going to let somebody down. So, you know, I'll just keep doing it. And we're unhappy or we feel bad about making the decision. And really, we shouldn't because it's our lives. If it doesn't bring us joy, uh, why why are we making that choice? So talk a little bit about, you know, that element for you making choices that maybe are against the grain of what the people that really care about you want for you, uh, but being confident and comfortable in your own skin to make that choice. Yeah, I think that's always just been a characteristic that's just been in my blood since I was born. I'm really good about just doing things that I want to do. And some can say that I'm probably a little bit stubborn in a sense, (laughs) but when people get to know me, they're like, oh, this makes sense why you made that decision. But I always talk to like my close group of friends. I call my parents for everything. So I always look for external, I don't want to say validation, but just support. I do need people to help me look at the bigger picture for the, you know, a different lens. And so it's always important from that. And like, I don't think I would be where I am right now if it was just Gabby and just like, vroom. I probably would have, I don't even know at this point, but at the end of the day, I think you also have to try something, even if you don't think it's for you to say that you tried and you can feel okay with that decision. So I think that that's a key piece to it. Now I will say if I had a scholarship that might've actually changed because quite frankly, with school debt and all that stuff, 
probably would have looked at it from a different lens and like, I'll take a couple hundred bruises on my legs for the next couple of years to, you know, come out debt free from college. So I will say, excuse me, that probably would have impacted it a little bit, but at the end of the day, you have to do what's right for you. And you're the one who has to sleep at night. You're the one who has to do it. And it's so hard when you're doing something you don't love. Um, And I try to talk to my friends about that, especially when it comes to their careers and what they're looking Mm -hmm. for. And everyone knows I love my job. Like it's very clear that I do. And I wake up every single day excited, but I was on that other side where someone was like, you should take this because they're going to pay you more. You should take this because of this. And it's like, but that's not going to make me happy. So you have to just be strong and confident in yourself. And you also have to know who you can trust because I know the people that I can call to give me advice on stuff that are not going to number one, steer me the wrong way, or it's not going to be an actual like helpful feedback that they're going to be giving me. Um, so I think that that's really crucial too. I, I love that. And it parlays into something that you mentioned about your uh, family dynamic is, and you said, you know, my mom really does push me um, in certain areas of my life. And then my dad is kind of the sounding block in other areas of my life. And I, I love that you said that. And I want you to dive into that for me. But the reason I love it is because I think oftentimes we say, well, gosh, this person cares about me. So I'm going to go to them for advice, even though they have zero context or, you know, uh, expertise in the area I'm going to go ask their opinion on. And all of a sudden we start getting 10, 20 different voices in our head, three of which probably have the you know expertise and the other 17 that just care about us and are giving us advice based on their lens, but not understanding really the context in which we're asking. So talk a little about your dynamic with your parents and how you kind of go to them, but also uh, being willing to listen to people, but also seeking advice from those that can probably give the best advice to us. Yeah, no, I, I love that because so my parents are divorced. Um, So my mom is like my emotional support will always support me on things and just kind of rides the ship out with me. Um, My dad, though, if I need help with finances, mortgage, uh, business career growth, how to negotiate myself, even though I do that for a living for the last 10 years, um, he's really just like that portion of it. Um, And that's just the role he's played in our life. My dad traveled the world. He honestly wasn't around a lot because of the business that he was in. And my mom's a stay-at-home mom. Mm. So when you look at the dynamic back in the day, that was very common where I grew up moms are stay-at-home moms and so that's just how all of us were raised um and that was my mom's job it's a full-time job especially when you have four kids so close and we're all playing sports and things like that so I'm very thankful for the dynamics of my parents my aunt who's my mom's sister I swear I am like her little clone so she is a huge 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 resource for me in so many different ways as well so I'm very thankful for just her support because She can just help me put a lot of like things together. We think quick together. So like she kind of just goes along the same streams as me. Um, I will say ever since I moved down to Florida, um, I've been incredibly lucky that I immediately fell into very successful, motivated groups of friendships. Mm, I've had basically the same friends since I moved down here six years ago. Uh, my main girlfriends that I've been best friends with have been my best friends for 16 years. So I have people who have known me through all versions of myself. And I think that that's incredibly important because you need people who can tell you, hey, you're here and now you're here. Um, so you can see that lens. You know, you've got your parents who saw you grow up your whole life. And then I have my friends who have met me down here where I've established myself as who I am down in Florida. They're all very high up in their corporate careers. They either own businesses and things like that. So I know who to go to for certain things. And then I know who to go to 
like, let's be serious, the social media stuff, I'm still learning it. And a lot of people are learning it unless you're right. in it. So right. I had a call the other day with a social media coach. I want to change the branding of my TikTok. So I'm actually going to go more of the corporate route now. So I can actually talk about things that I'm confident in and not just yeah. riding around in a bikini, quite frankly. <laughs> so I was like, there's more to me, you know, people want to know. But when I talk to some of my friends about it, they're like, what does that mean? So it's like, to your point, there's going to be people who have no context. But then when you start talking to them, like, oh, this would be a good idea. Do this, do this, do this. So it's kind of nice to get somebody who knows nothing. And then then I know the people to go to that are like specifically for social media. So my friends will tell you, if you ask anybody, they're like, Gabby has a group for this and a group for this and a group for this. But that's how it should be because you need that large diversification when you're getting that feedback. I love it. You nailed it. So <laughs> you mentioned that um, you're playing volleyball in college. And once again, play on the club side, transition into um, you know the walk-on side. But you were a leader of the team. You're a captain of the team. And I always think when we're a captain of our team, uh, that's one of the biggest honors you can get. And I don't know exactly how your team picked a captain, but typically it's the players vote, right? It's not the best player on the team. The coach just says, well, because you have the best stats, you are. Oftentimes that the best player does have a lot of leadership qualities and they are the captain as well, but that's not always the case. So talk about, you know, leading people and starting to do that in the context of sports, because it ends up being very important uh, in your career thus far. And um, it will be as we go on as well. Yeah, no, it's a great point that you bring up too, about how I ended up as captain. So once I walked off the D1 team, I walked right back to my club team. And I was like, hi, practice is at six o'clock. I'm back. And they're like, welcome back. And at that point, that's when I decided to essentially help build out our entire volleyball club program. Now, digressing for a second, I don't think I would be where I'm at in my career if I had stayed on the D1 team and mm-hmm. I didn't have this club experience because I was captain on and off the court. I was the treasurer. I was the this, the that. I did all the stuff from like a pure business standpoint of building out our club program. And I, it's so funny when I think back, like I was so aggressive (laughs) because I cared so much, which is hilarious. Cause it's like, do you want, you should be caring a lot. But then club, I was like, I'm going to the meetings. I'm getting us the funding. I'm planning all of our funding events. I had a really great team. Actually, one of my best friends, um, she was my setter. Mm. And then her roommate to this day was our middle hitter. Mm. So I'm actually still friends with a lot of the girls from my club team. And we always laugh. They're like, Gabby, you are just so like, this needs to get done and we're going to get this done. Now, if I didn't do that, it wouldn't have gotten done. But at the same time, I think back, I'm like, oh my goodness, my leadership skills are definitely aggressive. Back then. <laughs> but I cared and I was really passionate about all of that. So that's kind of how I fell into it because I decided to take all of it on. Um, yes. But, you know, from a skill set standpoint, a lot of us were just like, we're good at volleyball. We want to play. So we all were on the same playing field when it came to that. That's awesome. So as your time comes and you graduate from school, obviously time to find what's next. And instantly, it sounds like you're kind of looking for leadership opportunities and corporate target uh, is a great spot to be able to enter into a leadership. They have a great leadership track to kind of start you in one place and maneuver you throughout the company. And that's where you get your start. Yeah. So Target and Enterprise recruited heavily out of my college at Niagara University. And it was honestly, I had an internship between Target and Enterprise and I went with Target. It just Mm -hmm. resonated a little bit better, probably because I have a shopping addiction. So I was like, (laughs) now I get to see when all the sales come up ahead of time. And it was the best. Um, So I did the internship going into my senior year. They had offered me the position before my senior year of college, which was great. So I went into my senior year knowing I had a career, already signed the papers, 
actually started my master's program while I was an undergrad student. So I could really take full advantage of my senior year without having an interview. Yeah. It was just like, enjoy your senior year, show up on your first day of work the following year. Um, so Target was, like you said, I mean, anybody who knows the Target program, that is a fantastic foundation for you to learn leadership mm-hmm. skills. I swear that that is really what catapulted a lot of it. You can make a lot of mistakes there too, which is good. So you can learn from a lot of stuff. Um, but the only reason I ended up leaving there was because I saw a lot of my execs who had been there for a long time. They had kids um, and they were missing out on a lot of their children's growth and dance classes and football practices. And I was, and they always would say, we feel bad asking you to cover our shifts because you're single with no kids. And I was like, well, no, it's fine. Like I'll do it. And they'd be like, you kind of need to get out if you, unless you want to like this. And so I respect it. And I'm very thankful that they said that. And I was like, I'm, you know, I was young. I was 22, 23, but I was like, I want to have kids down the road and I probably could continue to do well there, but is this, I don't think this is going to be right for me long-term. Yeah. So I think a tough transition for a young person in any form of a leadership role in an organization where they are not, uh, close in age potentially to uh, to the leader is gaining that trust gaining that respect and you know i've i've experienced it in my life um but i think there are qualities one can demonstrate to help earn that quicker than just hey i've got to be here 5 years before i can earn that so talk about that for you on just getting started as a young person in a leadership capacity and sometimes potentially uh being a leader in title above people that are younger or older than you in age that can cause some interesting frictions at times. Yeah, no. And I target was a great opportunity for that to have that so young, especially from an internship standpoint. So just a quick little note on target, when you do your internship, they are not supposed to offer you your full-time position in the same store you did your internship at. Mm. Because to your point, exactly. It's a little bit weird. Well, the team that I had interned with asked for me to come back. Now, conveniently for me, it was down the street from my house. So I was like, this is great. I'm going to move back home and I'm going to work right down the street from the job I have to go to. And they're, you know, they called me and we were at a district office. They called me and they're like, we're making an exception. We want you here. And Mm. clearly you fit very well in with this store and everything. So we're going to have you come back here. But keep in mind, this is unique because you just had them all train you on how to be like an executive to now go back and now be their executive. So I, it was a, honestly a double-edged sword. So I walked into a double-edged sword for my first job. Um, thankfully we did really well. Like my accessories department was 20th in the country, but it was because Sarah, who was my leader, Sue, who was my leader, Beth, who ran my pricing. We just had a freaking rock star team. So I was very lucky with the team that I had walked into For me personally, though, and I just, this is the way I always just handle myself is I like to learn on my own. I like to try things. Now, obviously I loved setting up. I like the aesthetic view. So I loved doing the different setups and I liked being involved and I like putting stuff away. So I'm very hands-on, but not in a micromanaging way in that type of position. Mm -hmm. Um, And I always struggled even to this day. Like I had this conversation with my HRBP the other day just like looking back at all my jobs, like I would go in and I always felt like I had to prove myself to Mm. people, whether they were older or whatever. And yes, there's an aspect of that. But I think people with me being a millennial, even though I'm like the older version of it, (laughs) we kind of have, yeah, you know, we have like a bad rep, which I've seen the other side of it. So I can support some of those statements, but I go in and I want to work. I'm here to work. I love what I do. Teach me all that I can. 
And I don't want you to hold my hand. Like, I want you to give me what I need. Let me do the research and let me come back. Let me own my stuff. I like my autonomy. I like to run my own little business for things. So I think that that always helped me grow a lot faster. And, you know, but I can probably say at every single position I've held in my career, I've had at least one person who treated me like that. And then they came back at the end and they're like, you really proved yourself to me. And it was also a little awkward when you go in, you're like, oh, you know, like, Phil, he's going to be the one you're going to have to really prove yourself to. And it's like, why are you telling me this on my first day? (laughs) Like, can I just come in and just do my job and just let it all play out the way it should? And if I succeed, I succeed. And if I don't, I don't. But why do I have to go in and impress Phil to know I'm doing my job when Phil's not my boss? (laughs) Yes, that that is a very good point. Now, on the topic of having to prove oneself, um, you know, so I, I've shared this with many people in my life, and it's just a fundamental, fundamental belief of mine. And that is, you know, there's a gift in high expectations of you, right? So the beauty of somebody being able to see, gosh, Gabby's going to do great things and sharing that with you is you're like, sometimes I didn't even see that opportunity for myself. So now my mind's open to what's there. Yeah. Now, for every good thing, there's a backside weakness to it. And that can be if there's such high expectations, we crumble and we feel like, gosh, I'm never going to live up to this high barometer that someone has set or this aspiration that they have for me. And then it can cause us to just, you know, kind of wither away and just say, eh, you know, it's not going to happen. I won't strive for that. So talk a little bit about proving yourself, you know, maybe expectations that either you felt from parents or you felt uh, being in the family unit or you felt from corporate leaders and, you know, wanting to impress, but also at the same time, wanting it for yourself uh, just as much. Yeah, I think it's done for my parents because my parents always let me kind of do what I want, which was really great. But I'm very, like I said, I'm outspoken. I'm open. I was the girl going into freshman year of college where I was like, this is my class schedule. So how are we going to make this happen? And my dad's like looking at me like, where did you even have time to put this together? Pass to graduate. These are the classes I need to be in hot. Like, so I'm very organized. I like to plan. I am agile and I can move around. I'm flexible because I think everyone immediately thinks that I'm just like some rigid person, but there's just certain things that I think are important, you know, when you're for certain things. So expectation wise, I mean, my parents never placed a lot on us. They just were always like, do what you want to do. Like Mm -hmm. if this doesn't make you happy, then let's not do it. But let's also talk about it to make sure it's smart. I mean, when my brother, unfortunately, he had to retire early from the NHL because of concussions. I will tell you my parents, the minute he said that they were like, like they didn't want to force him, but they were like, from a health standpoint, we want to guide and we want to advise you, but you have to be okay with this decision because your life's about to change. Yeah. So my parents treated us all the same with that. So our expectations were like, we're going to support you and whatever you need. And I think that that was great because then when I went into the corporate world, I was still myself. And so I knew whatever challenges are ahead of me, we're just going to take them on. But you brought up a really great point where you talked about like those expectations are some, sometimes so high, they can feel defeating but that's where I thrive mm-hmm. and that gets me excited. So I'm like, okay, who do I basically need to be like, let me just prove myself to you like secretly. And you're not going to know. Um, I remember distinctly, like when I wa- walked on to Syracuse university, I came on as an, um, technically I was a temporary employee at the time they were revamping their entire HR department. Yeah. And we had to work with faculty, faculty's faculty. Mm-hmm. They've been there for a long time. They have their ways and that's okay. Um, and we blew up their entire recruitment process. We're like, we're going to put a process in, we're going to make everything the way it needs to be. This is what it's going to be. So I made this entire like book with my team and I still have it to this day. And I'm so proud of it. And I walked to go meet with this faculty member and 
wasn't the best experience. She basically <laughs> was like, what are you doing here? And what do you want? And I know what I'm doing. So I don't know why you're here. Mm. And I was like, just trust me, like, just give me a chance. And I treated it like agency yeah. where agency recruitment, you know, you have to go in, you essentially have to sell yourself, sell the process, gain their trust, set those expectations. And I'll never forget, she had the, that faculty member ended up calling my chief um, human resources officer and was like, she's the one, like she mm. did everything that I thought. And that to me, I was, it was a silent win. Yeah. And like, I will forever hold that in the back of my mind. And it makes me so excited because I'm like, I did it. Um, so I think those are the pieces of it, of just like pushing yourself through those expectations and just knowing what's important to you. Like you can, people are going to always put expectations on you, whether it's personally, it's professionally friendship relationship you have to know what's important to yourself. And if you don't know what's important to yourself, then you're not going to be able to decipher between do I fight for this one or do I fight for this one? Um, and I do think that that comes with age. Like, I don't think I'll, I was always mature for my age, but once I hit 30, there's just this light bulb that went off. And I was like, life's about to change and I'm here yeah. for it. And I'm yeah. forever <laughs> thankful that it did. <laughs> So you, you pointed out that specific feedback and you said, I'll forever hold on to that from, you know, that phone call that the faculty member made uh, a, a concept. I read it in a book when I was in like fifth grade. It was some, it was called Mind Gym. It was like a sports, okay. sports performance book before sports performance was like this, you know, massively talked about thing. And yeah. it they called it, uh, gosh, what they call it? Oh no, it's like your ultimate dream or something. And basically you just went through and you picked a few different moments that when you relive them, you could put yourself back in it and it could completely change like the physiology of your body because of the way that that moment had made you feel as you relive the highlight reel or that, you know, special dream. And I think it's important to have those tucked away because on days where life gets hard or the job is really tough and you're like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> I, I could easily just go get a job doing something way simpler than this. And I, it would be much less stressful. Those moments are like, no, I'm going to keep fighting because I know the impact that I can have. Yes. Yes. I think a thousand percent. And I mean, you always have to, and I even write mine down. So yeah. I'm really big on like the journaling, the manifesting, obviously more recently because it's become such a big thing thankfully to social media, social media is always good and bad. This is one of the goods. Um, and I think that that's so important. And I remind my friends of that all the time. I'm like, do you remember when you were like upset about, for example, like a guy, yeah. I'm like, you literally thought you were never going to stop crying over him. Look at you now. Yeah. <laughs> Those little things. And you, you build so much confidence in yourself and you're just able to say, this really isn't that bad. If I got through that, I can get through this. And then there's also, I think, key pieces from those moments that you can take. It's like, oh, I did this, or I talked to this person and they changed my whole perspective. Let me mm. call that person. Maybe yeah. they can talk me through it again. So it's just remembering those important pieces and knowing what to take from it, because that is going to continue. Because you, like you said, you can be like, oh, you know, I can just go be a beach bum and be happy and tan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's a joke between me and a friend of mine in our, in our firm, because uh, I started doing what I do at 19 and then started a different business at 22. So it's just like, all I've ever known is this. And there are days where you're like, why am I going through all this when I walk by and I see someone like mowing a yard? And I'm like, man, that guy's getting paid to just mow a yard. Like that sounds pretty great today. So yeah, there, there are those moments, right? Yes. Now to your point, and we're just going to piggyback off the comment you just made. You said, hey, sometimes we go through tough things in life like a breakup and it can change things. Yep. Your life was no different. We go through a breakup and this prompts you to say, I've had social media, but I'm going to make X, Y, and Z post and 
some things changed for you on the social media side. So talk a little bit about, you know, kind of phase of life and then the transition in social media presence between Instagram and TikTok. And uh, then we'll dive into some of the things that are going on there for you today. Absolutely. So COVID hit. I'm in Florida. Florida (laughs) didn't really change, but there were less things that we could do. You know, you couldn't go to the beach and things like that. So TikTok started to become a thing. And I said, no, I'm going to start making TikToks. Like, I was like, what even is this? And no, let me make this clear. I am not the dancer. <laughs> you know, by the time a trend is like dead for three years, that's when I learned the first move of the trend. So let me just press up with that piece. But um, I ended up going through a pretty bad breakup uh, in, the, in COVID um, right after I had turned 30. Mm-hmm. And just went partying. Like, I was like, what else are we going to do? Like, work is on hold. We're living in Florida. Let's go just have our fun. And that's what we did. And in the end, and you can ask any one of my friends who went through this awful breakup with me, they're like, you would not be the woman you are today if that never happened to you. Mm -hmm. So obviously at the time you're very angry about all of it and you can have every emotion surrounding it. But that really just was like, you know, screw you. Like there's so much more and I'm ready to take it all on. So we started making TikToks or building them out and I had like one video go viral. That's all it takes, obviously, on a lot of stuff. And then my page just started to grow. So I continued to build on the TikTok side because personally, I like TikTok a lot better because it's a community. Mm-hmm. Um, because the people who do engage with you are engaging with you for a specific reason for what you're providing. And that's what I like. Instagram, I just always had Instagram and I never had Facebook. So I should be clear, like I never went through that Facebook phase yeah. because I think that came out when I was in college and I wanted nothing really to do with it. So Instagram, I would like always just post bathing suit pictures. I am known as a bathing suit queen. I have buckets and buckets in my bedroom full of bikinis. And even when I lived in Syracuse, New York. (laughs) So I just kind of kept building on that, but never thought anything of Instagram. Um, Then, you know, doing both at the same time, I then took a TikTok and then put it on to my Instagram. That was at the time when Instagram was like, if you have the watermark, you can't go viral. I was like, okay, like, I don't really care. That wasn't really my goal. So I put the video onto Instagram. And then I like a couple of weeks later, I was laying in bed. And obviously, you can tell I have 12 million tabs open in my brain all the time. I was like, what else can I be doing? I shouldn't just be laying here in bed. And I'm staying up to like 4am. I built out an entire like social media list of like, PR emails, like who I'd want to collab with just kind of like putting together what a social media plan would look like. And it was the last thing on my list because I do like, you know, the beginning of the year, what are things that I want to achieve? And one was my social media. So kept doing it and then went to bed. A couple weeks later, I went to revisit, built a little bit more, started sending DMs and things like that. And then one day I woke up, it was like November of last year and my account, I thought got hacked. And I ran downstairs with my mom and I was like in tears. And I was like, I think someone hacked my Instagram and I'm not okay because my reel hit 14 million views overnight. <laughs> and I was like, that was the one that I posted a while back, not even like realizing it. My follower count just started going up. And when I tell you like the pit in my stomach, I was like, oh my God, all these people see my stuff now. Oh God, who saw <laughs> my stuff? What's happening? And it was just this like whole transformation of like all these people see your life. Now I had a pretty good following on TikTok at that point, but I didn't see it the way I saw Instagram because Mm -hmm. TikTok, the people are engaging with you, want to engage with you. Instagram, it's how the algorithm decides to push you out and who they push you to. And I was like, oh my God. Well, blessing in disguise, obviously I've had a lot of opportunities, a lot of networking, a lot of different collaborations, branding, like everything under the sun. It's been great. 
But on the TikTok side, my page obviously blew up because I was running around in bikinis. <laughs> so I met with a social media coach actually two days ago. Um, and her name's Jessie. She literally changed my whole life that night. And we've decided to now transition and make a whole new brand for myself um, to focus on my corporate life because that's really where I'm more confident. Like that's yeah. what people know me as. If you met me anywhere, I would have talked to you about all of this stuff. I wouldn't have talked to you about my social media or bathing suit collabs and things like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's just a part of me, but that's not me. So anybody who knows me knows me as this version, which I'm so proud of. Um, So I made a new account. It's called tall girl in charge. So we'll have like my three different pillars. One will be educational technology. So like corporate related, I'm training my entire company on like Microsoft teams and things like that right now. So everything I'm already doing in my job, I'm going to transfer over so that people can like actually get benefit out of it. Yeah. Tall girl fashion finds and, you know, the beauty piece, which is always important. Um, So everything is kind of just like shifting slowly. And then obviously with my corporate job now transitioning into an engagement manager, it's all kind of aligning on there. And there's a very gray area about what engagement is from a remote perspective. So I'm kind of falling into a niche where I'm learning it, but I've done really well with it at my company. So now I want to start sharing it out to other companies so that hopefully I can I don't know, maybe I'll build a brand off of this, which would be ideal so that I can start helping other companies with this stuff. Yes. So all of that coming together, um, you know, I and I think it's it's kind of cool how two different phases of your life are both, we'll say, relatively uncertain on what that leads to. And I'd love to just pick your brain. What does yep. that emotionally feel like? Right. I mean, you you've known success in both independently. And mm-hmm. for a lot of people, they say, well, why don't you just keep going down the same route? Right. Like, why not just be OK with it? Right. And be OK with just selling the, the bikini wear. Right. Instead of trying to brand into this new vision. But to your point and what we've heard as a common theme throughout, uh, Gabby's going to do what Gabby wants to do. So <laughs> talk a little bit about being in that point of uncertainty and then yeah. I'm going to love to send you this clip in like two years when you're like, do you remember when we sat here and talked about that uncertain feeling? Here's how that played out. Oh, I hope I really, I really, really do hope that that actually happens. Um, Yeah. I think there's just that piece of, I just like variety. I like being challenged. I like knowing new things. And let's be serious. I have to start off brand new TikTok account. Like that took me almost two, three years to really build up what I have. Um, so I'm starting from scratch. Like, I think I have like 15 followers right now because I've been haven't started posting anything yet. So to me, that's an exciting challenge. I'm incredibly motivated around it. But I think um it's just that piece of you have to know what you want. Like, and that's not you're always not gonna know. There is that piece of uncertainty uncertainty. And with my corporate job changing and taking away the last 10 years of what I know from a recruitment standpoint, I'm like, but how can I still stay tied in? How can I still utilize those skills and transition those over um, into areas that I can continue to develop and grow? Um, And the fact that you said, this is a niche market right now, especially because so many companies are remote and people don't really know how to keep people engaged. I tell people what I do at my job, like my company would need that. I wonder if they could hire you. So I'm like, there's clearly these opportunities that are popping up. But at the end of the day, like, you just have to know what you want and you have to look forward to that and you have to figure out how are the ways that I can obviously take these different things on and continue to challenge and continue to grow and think outside of the box. But I, to me personally, there just isn't, I don't want to be stale. And I will say, I think that even ties to like relationships and I probably a big portion as to why I'm single as well Is like, I want somebody who wants to continue to grow and have that drive and 
everyone always laughs at me because I always say like, there's that athletic mentality. Like I'm a prime example. I am athletic. I could be an athlete. I just choose not to be because I don't want to. But those characteristics are what have gotten me to this point. So there's that drive and that motivation. So you want to find somebody who's going to match that. You want somebody who's going to bring that into your life because I continuously need that because that's what I'm, you know, running on every day besides Dunkin' iced coffees. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> staples staples so th- there there's a couple of things that i want to highlight there we'll start with the first one and that would be just the idea of you know oftentimes people feel like you said you know when it's uncertain and i'm starting something new like i feel like i'm starting over but what you and i both know uh, i mean people are constantly growing is that you're never completely starting over because you have all the skills that it took to get you to where you're at you're just pivoting into something that yeah has to rebrand but my guess is you're sitting here saying, all right, well, three years ago when I started TikTok, if I could have done this in the first six months, it probably wouldn't have taken me three years to get here. It would have maybe taken me a year. And now rebranding, once again, there that's obviously a challenge. And I'm at 15 followers now. Like I got to get it going. But you also know, all right, within six months, this time I can probably get exponentially further than where I got six months last time because of all the skills I've learned. So talk about that, just being willing to... I don't know, have a confidence knowing I've done it before. I know I can do it again. And this time it might be better or might be faster just based on what I know. Yeah. And I think in a really key point that you said, even from like a follower's perspective, followers don't matter. And I don't think people understand that. And some of it almost is a little uncomfortable. And I say that lightly, but like when I, I meet somebody and they're like, Oh, like what's your Instagram? I get my Instagram. Like, oh, you have followers. I'm like, that doesn't mean anything. Like they don't, people automatically associate you to that number. Um, TikTok, I have a larger platform, but my engagement isn't as strong because I'm not running around in bikinis anymore. So the people who are engaging with you, that's what matters. So if you have 12,000 followers on TikTok and all 12,000 are going to jump on when you do a live or when you're doing something, that's what matters. So I just know, quite frankly, I'm going to be providing educational content now versus what I was providing before. Like my voiceover is that like, we're quite frankly, like mocking my breakup. And that's just how I got through it. Cause I like to make jokes and I like sarcasm and I know other people can relate to those things. And that's what got me to there. Great. That was a portion of my life that helped me grow. And now pivoting into this one, I would rather have 12,000 followers, but no, there's 12,000 followers. I'm, they've learned something with their resume, with their LinkedIn interviewing do's and don'ts, engagement opportunities for work, um, and just things like that. So I just know that there's going to be that piece to it. That's going to be more successful than the other side. Absolutely. Now, the second part that you said, and I, I like that you highlighted, whether it's, um, a boyfriend, girlfriend relationship, or if it's just friends, you know, being with knowing what you're looking for in that person, right? Not somebody telling you, ah, I don't know about that person. It's like, well, I'm looking for this characteristic, but more importantly, like surrounding yourself with people that want more. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's hard to be in a group of people or in a very important relationship that becomes stagnant or stale or doesn't desire to have more. And it's not that they're wrong. It's just, if you want more and they don't, that can really put a tough dynamic there. So talk a little bit about that, you know, once again, whether it's from boyfriend, girlfriend relationship, you know, husband, wife, or more so from a uh, friendship standpoint, surrounding yourself with people that are like-minded with you and wanting to grow. Yeah, no, I, I think I've come to terms with a lot of that over the last couple of years. I still have, like I said, the same people that I met when I moved here six years ago in Florida. And I'm very thankful for them because they really helped me grow and make friends as I, you know, lived here on my own and got settled. But 
I don't go out anymore. I literally stopped going out two years ago. And my friend's like, you still go out. I was like, I go out to dinners and I'm back home before midnight. I am not <laughs> out at the club still 3 a.m. like we used to. I really don't drink anymore. Um, so that was like a huge transition for me. I was like, I'm over the party stage. Cause I also didn't do it in college. Like we really didn't party in college. So yeah. coming to Florida in a social atmosphere, that was kind of like my college. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, all of these pieces kind of started to fall into place. And I was like, it's not really what I want. And there's a lot of my friends like, we miss you. We don't see you anymore. And I was like, cause I don't want to do what you all do. And that's fine. And that's what makes you happy. It's just not what makes me happy. So I had to start transitioning out of that. And then whether it was finding new friends or by accidentally meeting new friends or just doing, I like to do things on my own. Like my friends always laugh at me like, you'll go do something by yourself. I'm like, yeah, cause I love that. Oh, there's a networking event. I'm going to go by myself. There's yoga, but I'm going to go by myself. Like I think there's also just the recruiters type of stuff yeah. in us that we just, it just comes naturally. There's no stopping us in that area, but I am thankfully surrounded by some really good people. Like a great mentor of mine, he's one of my best friends. He's the vice president of sales for a very large sports organization. Um, and I mean, just, there's so many things that I take from him and I learn from him and my other friends, uh, vice president of marketing for a large banking industry. The minute that I got that um, counter offer from that other company called him called also my other VP, called my dad, called my aunt, called some of my you know girlfriends who are high up in the corporate field as well. What would you do? What are your thoughts? So just surrounding yourself with people who you know are going to better you and who are going to support you. Because I do think this day and age, there's a lot of people who want to be around you. And I've learned that my friends have always said this to me. And it's been up until recently, I started to like come to terms with it. But like, there's people who want to be around you because they want to be around you. Mm -hmm. You might have great energy and they want to be around you, but they want to be around you because they just want to be around you. They're not actually there to support you. And that's mm -hmm. the difference. So you want to have people who are there on both sides. Cause I also want to help my friends. It's not just a one-way street. Um, and that's why, you know, some people you grow out of friendships and it sucks at first. And then you're just like, Oh my God, look at all the things I'm getting now that you're not in my life. And it's not them. It's just that they ran their chapter of your life and you realize what's important to you and you're always going to look like the villain in somebody else's story. Mm. I'm sure I'm the villain in all my ex's stories, <laughs> you know, like it's just how it goes and they're the villain in mine. So, you know, there's always those pieces to things. You just have to know, like, you know, it's true. You got to stand by what you believe in. And that's, what's important at the end of the day. I love it. And I think, you know, one thing that I've always had a fundamental belief in is that relationships, whether it's friendships, whatever it is, uh, people come into your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime, right? Yeah. And you don't know what it is when it sets off. But then as life progresses, realizing, hey, that was a season relationship. Oh, that came in because it taught me this really good lesson. And yeah. it may not be a long term relationship, but it taught me that or sometimes you get the day ones, right? But hey, I've been friends with them for 16 years. And, yes. uh, you know, that's my tribe. So yep. I love it. Well, yeah. Gabby, I want to say thanks so much for sharing your story and your journey. Uh, I'm excited that we get to record at this moment in time. So that way, uh, three years from now, we can do this again, look back and see all of the amazing things that have transpired. But uh, thanks so much again for sharing your journey. Absolutely. This was a pleasure. And thank you so much for letting me share my story. And I hope that this can resonate with a couple people. So I really appreciate it.